Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast, where we talk about the Hall of Fame cases for various NHL players. My name is Riley. Over there is Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good. How about you? I'm doing great, thanks. And today is part two of our special series on the Hart Trophy. And this, we in the previous episode, we talked about the meaning of the MVP Trophy, and we talked about some fantastic, not real. MVP trophies for early and uh, early leagues that precede the NHL, and also for the first five or so seasons of the NHL when they didn't have the Hart Trophy. The Hart Trophy came in 1924, which is where we're going to start. Um, and in this episode, we're going to focus on the earliest stages of the NHL when there were anywhere from four to seven teams in the league. So prior, this is actually pre-original six. Original six didn't start until the 40s. And to start off, we have the first ever Hart Trophy in 1923-1924 award to Frank Nybor, a center on the best team in the league, the Ottawa Senators. And I was all ready to come in guns blazing and just yell about this for a full, like, five minutes. As you do. And and I still don't like it, but I, I was like, you know what? Maybe there is a reason. There's got to be a reason. And the reason I say that is because one of the things we've done is we've compiled lists of of the the various interpretations of best players. So who had the highest PPG? Who won the Art Ross had the Art Ross existed? Who had the most point shares? Who had the most point shares if you, uh, you know, if you took them off a team, their team would miss the playoffs. Um, which, you know, which forwards had the most? Which defensemen had the most? Who was the best player on the best team in the league? Who was the best offense player on the best offensive team, who is the best defensive player on the best defensive team. And Nyber was none of those people. <laughs> and so that's why I was annoyed about it. And to give, to really emphasize this, Nyber was third in goals and offensive point shares, fourth in assistant points, and fifth in point shares on the Senators. That's not league. That's not compared to the league. That's on the Senators. So offensively, he was the fifth, uh, the sorry, the third or fourth best player on his t- own team. I should point out they were not. Oh, sorry. They, and they were the best offensive team in the league as uh, as well as the best team. So why the hell did he win? And the answer that I found on the internet is apparently Nybor is considered one of the best defensive forwards in the history of hockey. Aha. Uh-huh. So sort of the the um, doesn't show up in the stats. Yeah. But sort of the unsung hero of the team. And if you watched, you would know that if it wasn't yes. for him, they wouldn't win. Kind of like, just to use a modern example, which always irks me, um, you know, a lot of people, oh, Patrick Kane, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Patrick Kane's good, but if you hit him hard enough, like, he'll kind of disappear. The heavy lifting is done by a guy like Taves. Kane's not back-checking and stopping anybody. Taves has to do that so that Kane can go, even though now they do play on separate lines most of the time. Um but they sort of do two different things, right? Each of which are yeah. valuable to their team. Yeah. But I'm always like, you know, a Bergeron or a Taves. They can do the offense, but they do the thing that's harder or less pleasant to do in order yes. for their team to win. And without that aspect of their game, they probably don't win or they don't win as handily anyway. Um, yeah. And it's like a skill that, you know, Taves has enough offensive skill to put up points but he's so dedicated to the defensive game. And, you know, as a Canucks fan, it pains me to actually say something nice about any Blackhawk, but, like, he does all the little things that make sure you win. 
and you know Kane might have three points that night, but on a night where Kane has zero points, he doesn't contribute a lot of other things, right? If he's not scoring, yeah. he's not really helping. Whereas Taves absolutely is helping, even if he hasn't scored in five straight games. You know he's done some amazing things to keep you in games and stuff like that. So yeah, maybe Frank Norton Nybor is one of those kind of guys, and you just wouldn't know that by looking at his stats, right? Like if when Taves and Kane come up for the Hall of Fame. Kane's stats are going to dwarf Taves's, but everybody's going to be like, I think Taves is the better player, you know? At least I do. So, yeah, that's essentially the thing with with Nybor, right? Is, like, he's, he was not, he he, he did when he retired, I believe he had the most assists in NHL history, but, like, aside from that, like, he was not, you know, he he scored a lot, but I don't think he ever led the league in in points or anything. But he got a lot of attention um, as a defensive player, but I before I I briefly mention some positive things said about them. Have you ever watched film of a 1920s hockey game? I certainly have not. <laughs> Neither have I. And yeah. so one of the things I've wondered with all these people who say with certainty that he was the best, one of the best defensive forwards of all time, is we don't know what that is, what that even means, right? We don't like we don't know what we've never seen the game played like it was back then because. The rosters are still tiny, right? People are still playing most of the game, right? The yeah. rosters didn't expand, I think, until like 30 or something like that. Um, and and moreover, uh, like, I don't even think they had the forward pass yet still. And it's it's hard for me to imagine what the game was like, let alone what the best defensive forward of his era looks like. And so for me, it's a lot easier to just look at points. Yeah. Because, and the other thing is that uh, Ottawa was not the best defensive team in the league this year. So why are you giving it to a defensive player? Well, However, maybe, maybe it's like the rest of the team was like, you know, let's go gangbusters and score all these goals. Guys be like, uh, somebody should stay back yeah. and stop them from scoring. Could very well be. Yeah. So I just wanted to, uh, this is the only time I'm going to do this, but I just wanted to read a couple of things because I think someone needs to play devil's advocate to me. Um, because <laughs> I, I just really don't like it. Um, so so basically, uh, Howie Morenz won the heart in 1928, as we will talk about. And he said, I won the trophy, but Niver is the greatest player in hockey. That's four years later. And the other thing uh, somebody said about him, if I can find it, um, was, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Clint Benedict, their goalie, said he was the best goaltender in the league about his forward. <laughs> so wow. clearly people thought he was very good defensively. Yes. My, my big issue is I don't know what that looks like. And also people like to say nice things about people they like. Yes, and, that's true. and I don't, I wish the league could track more information back then when it was very small and didn't have the resources to do so because I have a trouble taking a couple quotes and and sort of reputation um the the sort of taking this on reputation because the problem is is that a lot of people have said things about players reputations over the years that have turned out to be totally wrong and and for me i'm not like i'm not convinced that like oh people said he was great defensively therefore absolutely like i i find that you know uh people really like to uh gloss over uh you know people like to to talk about 
the past in a certain way. And I don't know. I just, I'm just very skeptical that a guy, I mean, maybe he was, you know, he, he, he did something called a sweep check, which I'm not even sure would be legal now, which he apparently put his stick flat on the ice and swept it around to try and get the puck. Um, I think you're still allowed to do that as long as you don't trip anybody in the yeah. process. But like and nobody, pretty, nobody does it's it. It's a pretty dumb move because everybody's going around you at a million miles an hour now. Mm. But I guess when everybody played the game a lot more stationary back then, I would imagine. Yeah. It well, was probably also, very effective. It's kind of like maybe like, he was like, uh, remember when Hal Gill used to just sort of lie down on the penalty kill and dare you yeah. to shoot the puck off his face? Maybe it was kind of like that. <laughs> but also like the roster's got like 14 guys on it. So, or maybe like, sorry. 16 guys so maybe they're all really tired you know yeah, uh, i think that i think they just didn't play the game in and i mean you know they were probably skating on the equivalent of butter knives yeah um, so their mobility would have been reduced unless you were one of those like cyclone tailor guys who could just whip around the ice apparently but i think the game like strategy wise was played in a much more stationary sort of let's get set up and pass it kind of way yeah um so i think that technique would have been very very effective um yeah you know, I, I, I get the sense that um, any of those techniques would have been more useful in like sort of like a penalty killing kind of role. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because people didn't lift the puck, right? Yeah, that's it. If they even could. I mean, they're pretty much using a tree branch. Yeah. So like the equipment was just not good enough to sort of get around some of the defensive techniques that some of these guys must have used. And I've you know, having played defense myself, and you've seen me play, I'm I'm pretty stationary. Um, when you're when you're killing a penalty and you're you put your stick down flat, unless the other guy's really good, when he lifts the puck, it's not going to sit down flat again. And most guys aren't capable, at least at the level I play at, of doing a really nice saucer pass, especially under duress. It's usually it bounces over the other guy's stick. So putting your stick down flat to block a nice smooth pass is a great like you're playing a pretty high percentage there. So maybe okay. at, at that time, that's just what he's doing, right? He's just yeah. getting in the way as much as possible, and he just happened to be the best at it. Yeah. The other thing is he was at one point credited with inventing the poke check. Oh. Um, however, he is on record somewhere as saying that he stole that from a guy named Jack Walker, uh, who played in the, I believe, the PCHA and the WCHL. I don't know how much he played in the NHL. But, um, but because NHL people saw him use it, and they hadn't seen anyone else do it. They thought he did. And then in an interview, he later said, no, 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 I got that from somebody else. <laughs> anyway, I mean, listen, I, I, when we were talking about Nybor before, I said this before. I'm not for a second trying to deny that he was, that he belongs in the Hall of Fame, that he wasn't a great player, that he wasn't maybe even the best defensive player of his era. I just don't know that he was so good defensively that he deserves the MVP. Yeah, a lot of people think so. If you go online and look him up and and Google this, nobody thinks this was a bad trophy. But to me, I need more than just like reputation. Like it doesn't. I I have so little faith in the voting body that that votes for this award <laughs> that I just like I'm I'm very skeptical. And so I I personally would have picked a different person for this. I don't know how you feel, but I I just I have trouble. Um, I have trouble uh, picking him. I I feel like with our modern definition of the hardware, unless uh, unless it's one of those rare years where it's a goalie, it's almost inevitably the, for, the one of the highest scoring forwards in the league, right? So we've become yeah. used to that. Should the heart sometimes go to the guy who 
if it's a true MVP or MOP, just like, is that guy the best player on this team? And it sounds like, at least from what we're saying, he was definitely the best defensive player on a very offensive team. And so maybe those guys are like, he's he's the most valuable because if, if he doesn't do all that stuff, we probably lose a lot of games, you know, 8-7 uh, instead of winning, you know, 8-4. Because the rest of us don't really want to do all that defensive stuff, you know? Like, so I, I, it's hard to say without having seen it. Um, and it's one of those things that we do with a lot of the old timers where we're like, I don't see a reason to kick him out of the hall. I don't see a reason to strip the award away from him unless we apply today's modern standard where the scoring matters a lot more. In which case I would say, yeah, you know, Bergeron wins the Selkie every year, but he doesn't win the heart. And most, a lot of people would agree. He's like borderline, like a perfect hockey player in that he can do everything well, but you still don't see him winning the heart. And he tends to go to a very high scorer. So, um, you know, maybe applying our modern definition, then it shouldn't go to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm, as we talked about in the last episode, I think a lot of this would be solved by having two different awards. Um, and, and if, if people want to say he was the MVP and we have a best, a best skater, whatever award too, I might, I'd be much more willing to accept it and give the best skater award to, uh, to Dyer Denny. But I still think that George Boucher has a case as well. Um, as well as Denny does. And I don't know. I just, I'm unconvinced. Um, you know, I, I, the thing is like, what I see on the internet is people just insisting that he was good defensively. And like, it's just sort of like, it's sort of that whole thing about, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that famous story of like, um, the, the monk or whatever, who is like, you know, uh, the world is held up by a creature. I can't remember the type of creature. Maybe it was a person. And and what's the person stand on a turtle. And what does the turtle stand on? Suppose we change the subject. You know, it's <laughs> like at some point, the the myth, like it's just like you you go back in time, and at some point you you lose. I mean, uh, it's different here because this guy, um, there are quotes from contemporary players saying he was great, and yeah. so we have that at least. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm I'm I would if it had been me, I would have. I mean, I might have. Felt very differently had I seen this season, but just with the data in front of me, I, I would lean more towards uh, uh, Denny. I think, um, yeah, because he was already established that he's a great player too. So. Yeah, yeah. Should we move on to 1925? Another That's controversial good. one. So for 1925, it was given to Billy Birch, who was a center on the Hamilton Tigers, who were the best team in the league by points. Hockey Reference uh, has something called the Simple Rating System. Um, which is a way of evaluating how good a team really is based on goal differential and other things. Because, uh, you know, points are, are uh, you know, you can, you can get away with some stuff in wins sometimes, winning games that you don't necessarily deserve. And obviously, simple rating system, because it's based on goal differential, it is not quite, you know, we're still not there. It still doesn't incorporate shots. So... But uh, Hockey References Simple Rating System did not list the Tigers as the best team in the league. They would be second best. Um, 
the Canadians would have been the best team. But of course, nobody could have possibly known that at the time. No one was, I doubt anyone was ranking teams based on goal differential. Um, so, uh, Billy Birch was a center on the best team in the league. However, much like Nybor the year before, he was not clearly the best player on his own team. He was first in goals, but fourth in assists and third in points on his own team. Um, and league-wide, he was sixth in goals, 16th in assists, and 10th in points. So, once again, they seem to have picked someone who is more, maybe it was his all-round game. I don't actually, unlike Nybor, I don't know anything about Birch being a particularly strong defensive player. I've never read anything about that about him. I have a theory, though, as to why he was awarded it. Yeah. And that theory is, that so this is the year the players strike killed the Hamilton Tigers. Oh yeah. And I'm wondering is when the voting happened, I don't know what time of year the voting happened, but I'm wondering if the strike was already happening or if they knew the voters knew it was going to happen and they want and the voters wanted to show solidarity. Hmm. Because of the two leaders of the strike, Birch was a much better player than the other guy, who's the guy we talked I can't remember his name right now, but we talked about him um few episodes ago and birch was the like more of the the star player i i don't know that that could be complete i could be completely out to lunch but like if you look at the the voting the two best offensive players in the league came in fourth and fifth in voting now it was a fairly relatively tight race but like i don't know i don't know why else i mean unless again unless birch was uh um, a star like defensive forward like Nybor, um, it's hard to understand why him over say other guys on the Tigers that year who like I said scored more right like yeah uh, um, Red Green had nine points more than Birch did for example Red Green it's a good name and Great. and. And Shorty Green, I don't know if Shorty Green was related to Red Green, but Shorty Green also had more points than Billy Birch. They were both, Shorty Green and Red Green were on the uh, same team together, which is must have been very confusing for everybody. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm just, I find myself very skeptical of this one as well and thinking that, uh, you know, that... Uh, if if you can you can give it to uh, Joliet, uh, the Canadian star, because the Canadians were actually a very good team. They're the best offensive team and the best defensive team, despite not actually having those points. Um, or uh, or you know, there's a uh, there's Babe Die who uh, who scored the most points. Um, but I, I I don't I don't get the case for Billy Birch. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I think I might be with you on this one. I don't see a reason why he would win it other than perhaps your thing about the strike, right? Where they're like, you know what? Let's give it to this guy to send the league a message. We support these guys. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I don't know why uh, why Joliet didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looks like the best choice, right? He's mm-hmm. he's because he, he's best. He's you could argue best player and MVP, right? Because, yeah. yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have as many points as Babe Die, but he, he missed a couple games. Yeah. Um, well, four. It's a fair amount when your season's twenty nine, oh, thirty games long, but still. Um, 
and you know he he's best in points per game and he's the best player on what was actually the best team so yeah. i mean to me he he makes the most sense but um anyway <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows maybe, that that game. maybe he was another one of those defensive centers but we just don't have the quotes of, about him the way that we did about uh yeah that we did about Nibor, right? So maybe it's that it's ever like his peers really appreciated and people thought, man, this guy's really good, but what do we have to back it up with? Right. And so it's, if you're not the clear cut sort of offensive star of your team, um, you're not the clear cut best player in the league by points. And there's no one saying like, Oh yeah, but you really should have seen how good that guy was. Like, what do we have to really go on? Right. It's hard to justify. Um, you know, especially when we we know other players outpointed him and played on a better team than he did. It's pretty tough to justify. The Nibor one, we've kind of got a little bit of something to hang our hat on. Yeah. This one's like, kind of feels like, why did this happen? And why is that was nothing written down about why it happened? Well, I mean, uh, something I must say, like, I didn't, like, do as much of a deep dive on Birch as Nibor because, like, Nibor, I was really, really ready to rant. And I was like, I better double check that I'm not being an idiot. <laughs> Whereas Birch, I was like, ah, this seems stupid. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe there's like articles out there about how great, uh, um, he was, um, somewhere, but, uh, and you know, certainly if you're listening to this, you can tell us that we're wrong and why Birch should have been, uh, you tweet at us why Birch should have won the MVP in 1925. I just, I think that like Julia has a really good case and it's a case that if this, if this award happened now, it would be really tough to argue with his case, right? Yeah. Oh, we look at, he's the best forward. He, he leads the league in points per game and he's on the best team by goal differential. Like who's going to say, Oh no, not him. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a very small group of people. hundred percent. So up next we have uh 1926 Nell Stewart, uh, a center on uh, the second best team in the league, the Maroons. And there's, so, I guess a slight... Oh, I should mention also the league had expanded at this point. We're now talking about a 16 league. And um, despite, despite the death of the Tigers, who became, at least in some sense, the Americans, the uh, New York Americans. Um, so Stewart was, unlike Birch and Nybar, Stewart was clearly the best forward in the league. He won the Art... He would have won the Art Ross had it existed. Um... He had the highest points per game at 1.17. He also, uh, for hockey reference point shares, he set a record for the most point shares in a season ever, which basically just means he, at least in terms of this very approximate measure of value, who had been the most valuable player in the history of the league so far in a season. Um, on the other hand, his team was not the best team in the league. It was the second best overall. Um, they were uh, the third best uh Offensive team, though I should point out they were one goal behind the first and second who tied for uh, for first, and they were the um, they were the third best uh, defensive team. So they were right in the middle. Um, it is worth noting that if you are of the opinion that goalies should win the heart, which is not my opinion, but Bill, you're okay with it. I'm okay with uh, it if they're that dominant. Yeah. So, so there might be a case for a goalie here. Alec Connell, the Senators goalie, had 15 shutouts in a 36-game wow. season. That's pretty dominant. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I can understand why some people might want to argue for him. Um, they did. They gave up four. They gave up forty-two goals in a thirty-six game season, uh, and uh, the next best team gave up seventy. Man. <laughs> so I understand. Else. I understand the case. So I, if you want to argue for Alec Connell, I will actually listen to you. However, I am going to say that I think they made the right choice by picking Nell Stewart. I'm fine with the heart going to a forward, and he was the best, very clearly the best forward in the league. His team was not quite the best defensive team, but it almost was, and they were good enough defensively. And I, I don't have issues with this. I'm I'm okay with it. How do you feel? Now Man, that you know what? that Alan Connell had 15 shutouts. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, that's. But, you know, maybe their team was just, you know, incredibly stingy and he reaped the benefits. And, you know, he's he's Chris Osgooding his way to those statistics. Who knows? Right. Like, is the team in front of him just that good or is he that good? Because, you know, like yeah. literally the first time I'm ever hearing his name, I know I'm probably supposed to know his name because I'm supposed to know so much more about this deep hockey history than I do. But I have a day job. and Unfortunately, I cannot sit around and research every player who's ever who's ever lived. Well, he's um, in the Hall of Fame. We, oh, just yeah, have, I know. we just haven't got to him yet. Yes, I know, I know. Um, it, it is it is a pastime of ours, not yeah. a full-time job. Yes. Um, but, you know, like, it's a dominant statistic, but without knowing how that statistic came about, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, they had two of the best defensemen in the league, and so he only faced... I mean, they arguably quality did. chances or yeah. maybe none every game. Maybe they were just so good. They kept, they held onto the puck most of the game. So, you know, the other team, they got like four scoring chances a game. Uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to know. Maybe they yeah. shut out all the weaker teams in the league, but actually got scored on by the good teams. Cause who knows about the quality of opposition at that point. Well, and, and, and just to make the, even though I don't think he should have won it just to make the case of like the MVP case for him, they were also, uh, the second worst offensive team in the league. So without him or whoever was preventing uh, yeah. the goal from going in, they uh, they would have been in deep trouble because they scored 77 goals all season, um, which, you know, like I said, is second least. Uh, the Americans scored 68. Everyone else scored at least 79. And, uh, and yeah, and, and so, so Niber was on this team. Frank Niber was still on the Senators. But also King Clancy and George Boucher, two of the best defensemen of their era. So without shot information, as I think essentially what you were saying, Bill, is without shots, right? Like, yeah. if he had led the league in saves and total shots faced, you could be a lot more confident in saying, well, no, actually this guy. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, it's to me, the fact that they're low scoring and had the lowest goals against all season tells me they were a very defensively committed team that year. Yeah. Um, and that they they won a lot of close games, so probably a lot of one nothing, two nothing games that year. Yeah. So to me, that sort of starts to say, well, the goalie had a lot to do with it, but yeah. they very well could have played a very tight system, and so they kept the games close, but they knew they were going to win those tight, you know, two one, three one games, and so his stats look out of this world. But it's like a lot of people when they would argue for uh, Patrick Roy above Marty Bruder, yeah. like, well. You know, Patrick didn't play on it like a trap team the way that Bredur did. And people would sort of take that away from Bredur. And then, of course, when he played for Team Canada, he was just as good. And you're like, nah, Team Canada is also pretty good. It's like, 
does he ever steal a game? You're like, I don't know. He makes a lot of like big saves, but you're right. They don't give up that much. So it's one or two big saves per game. Whereas Patty Roy had a lot more spectacular and had stolen some, you know, stole a couple of cups. Um, People say that, but that Montreal team was very good defensively, but he made massive saves and maybe more athletic looking saves too. Um, so it's it, it's hard to say, but it, it it sounds a little bit like the people who would say, you know, Bruder should not have been, you know, uh, ever had a chance at an MVP. You know, whereas Hashik Buffalo was good defensively, but they weren't that good defensively. Like he clearly made the difference, right, from watching. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like Jersey was more like the system's great, you have great defensemen. Bruder bails you out when you make a mistake, but you don't make that many of them. Yeah. Um, so it, it, this sort of has that feel. So maybe I wouldn't make the case for the goalie in that case. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with uh, Nell Stewart. All right. Sounds good. So 1927, the league has now expanded to 10 teams. And our heart winner is Herb Gardner, um, the defenseman uh, who played for the Canadians, who were the second uh, best team by points. And uh, they were the best team by uh defense but they were only one goal ahead of the best second best and two goals ahead of the third best so it's worth noting that i think um just because uh you know we you can say like oh well he he won this because he's the best defenseman on the best defensive team but like three teams were really really close when it came to the best defensive teams in the league like uh, two goals apart total so um, I think that's the I think that's why it was given it is because yeah. Montreal Canadiens were the best defensive team and they figured it should go to this guy. Um, that's my best guess. Uh, I think if you wanted to make that case, you could definitely give it instead to George Hainsworth, who was their goalie, who had 14 shutouts. So not quite as impressive as Alec Connell having 15 and 36, but this is 14 and 44, which is still outstanding. Um, And to me, I don't want to give it to either of these guys, but when I go between Herb Gardner, who I don't know much about, and George Hainsworth, who I can see had 14 shutouts, I tend towards the guy with the 14 shutouts. Yeah. But, but I don't think I'm, I'm not sure this, this is one I'm not sure about because Bill Cook, was the best forward in the league. Um, he just like he broke Nell Stewart's record for point shares. I should point out. Um, he was very clearly the best forward in the league. Well, he had one more point than uh, Dick Irvin other actually. So maybe not quite so clearly, uh, but um, you know, he uh, hockey reference does this thing where they like, they do goal. It's called goals created which is it's a weighted measure like weights goals and assists rather than giving them equal value like points does. Mm. And, uh, and in that sense, cook was much uh, better than, than Irvin because Irvin was half assists, half uh, goals. And uh, cook was, uh, was mostly goals. Um, But take that with a grain of salt. So uh, cook came came in a very narrow second to Gardner, actually. Uh, Gardner got 24% of the vote, and Cook got 23% of the vote. So uh, it was split um, between... And then, of course, Frank Fredrickson got 20% uh, of the vote, and Irvin got 
almost 20% of the vote. <laughs> so that no one was sure who should win, which is why Gardner won. Really, it wasn't because people were voting for the best defenseman on the most the best defensive team. It was more because a quarter of the league did, and then everyone else couldn't make up their minds. Um, so I uh, this is a year where I'm really not sure um, uh, who it should be. I think you know uh, Cook's team made the playoffs. Uh, they were only the fourth best offensive team though. And defensively, they were uh, the fourth best defensive team as well. Um, so right in the middle there. Um, Cy Denny, the best forward on the Senators, who were the best team in the league, um, he he had like way so many fewer points than Bill Cook that it feels like a a, a bad thing to give it to him. Uh, you know, he had. Uh, uh, Denny had 23 points. Bill Cook had 37. Man. So, uh, Denny's case doesn't feel great. I think uh, King Clancy on the Senators has a better case because uh, he had 19 points. Um, and again, for the uh, uh, that's for the best team in the league. So, um, if they, you know, they uh, the Senators were uh, third best defensively. And uh, um, fifth best offensively. Yeah. So it's it's it, it's got that feeling of like, why'd you pick a defenseman again unless he's like so good it's undeniable like he led the league in scoring a la Bobby Orr etc. Like where clearly this guy's the best player in the league. And I don't think anybody's saying that about Herb Gardner. He just happened yeah. to be a very good player on a on a very good team. Um, that's. To me, that to me that doesn't ring of the heart, right? Like, yeah, it, I don't think they had the Norris back then, so I I think he's almost they like didn't. A, there was the fifties yeah. who came in. Yeah, so then you're thinking about it's it it's a split vote, and he just happened to have the highest percentage out of that split vote. Like that's that's the only way I think he could win it, right? Like, yeah, 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 because his like numbers are like you know he, what, what did he have? Uh, um, where is he? Yeah, so he had like 13 points, um, and uh, you know he had the most. Hockey Reference uh, says he has the most defensive point shares, but as we pointed out many, many times, defensive point shares in particular back then, when there's very little information, are just a complete guess. Basically, there's very little that they're actually telling you. I mean, to me, I I kind of want to give it to Cook because Cook or Irvin, um, and I'm not sure who. The problem is is with Urban is Urban's on the best offensive team, but they were awful defensively. Yeah. They actually gave up more goals than they scored. Somehow they scored 115 goals and gave up 116. Wow. <laughs> In a pretty low-scoring league. So. Yeah, yeah, and they well, yeah, they were so far ahead. They actually scored uh, 16 goals more than any other team in a 44-game season, um, and they just they were the last team into the playoffs. So there's a part of me that's like sees that and it's like eh, Irvin had a good season offensively, but Cook had a slightly better offensive season, and his team was a lot better. But it wasn't. But the problem is, it wasn't better. Excuse me. It yeah. wasn't way better offensively, right? 
they were actually better overall. So I I, I have no idea actually. Um, I guess I don't know, but I I feel like if I had if someone put a gun to my head, I would just say Bill Cook. But I don't <laughs> I don't know how you feel. Um, I, I'm I, I'm tough. okay. With, I I think Bill Cook would probably get my my vote as well. Okay. I think we're in agreement there. Good stuff. Because like I, yeah, this is one of those years where I can I can see why it ended up being Gardner because there was no obvious choice. You know, people were just like just searching for somebody. Yeah, yeah. So for twenty eight. Uh, we have Howie Morenz, uh, center on the Canadians. Um, and uh, uh, the Canadians were the best team in the league. They were the best offensive team. They were the best defensive team. Howie Morenz uh, scored 51 points. Uh, I believe that was a record. Uh, <laughs> I think and, so, yes. And it was, uh, yes, sorry, it was a record. He had the most point shares ever in the history of the league as well, because that makes sense. He scored the most points. Um, yeah. I have no issues with Howie Marin's winning in 1928. Do you? Uh, no, I have no issue whatsoever. <laughs> best, best forward on the best team and the best team in every way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard. To, it's hard to quibble with that one. However, 1929, we have a goalie, our first goalie which is very exciting um, <laughs> for those of us who think that they shouldn't win the award. Um, so Roy Waters was a goalie for the Americans. Uh, the Americans were the, uh, oh, let me just, they were the third best defensive team in the league. They were the fourth best overall team. Um, and one immediately wonders why, did people vote for a goalie on a team that wasn't even the best defensive team in the league? Um, or at least I do. So keep in mind, we have a 10-team league we're talking about here. This is this is where Warders ranks across the board. He was sixth in wins in a 10-team league. He was ninth in losses, which better. Um, he was third in ties. He was ninth in goals against. He was third in goals against average. He was second in shutouts. So, okay. He was ninth in minutes played. He didn't even play that much. And he's third in goalie point shares. I have no idea. None. Like, I've just... <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. He... Like... He wasn't the best goalie. He wasn't the most important goalie. George Hainsworth had 22 shutouts this year. Wow. <laughs> in a 44-game season. So how is he not winning it then? <laughs> well, like, exactly. Like, why was Warders better? I don't no want a goalie to win the heart. But, like, if you had to pick a goalie, there's a guy who, who shut out half the games he played. <laughs> you know? Like... Um, I actually don't know if he played. Did he play the whole season? Yeah, he played the whole season. Well, actually, it seems as though he every game he shut out, he won, and every game he didn't shut out was either a loss or a tie, which means his team was not very helpful. Um, well, they were more helpful than some, actually. They were more helpful than the Blackhawks. No, they actually scored a bunch, so I don't know what the hell is going on there. The... Uh, and who the hell is? Anyway, 
Uh, this this makes uh, no sense to me. Um, I uh, I really have no idea why. This is shades of a later decision that um, that the voters would make with um, a certain Al Rollins, who we will get to um, in you know a few decades uh, through this process. Um, I mean, it just doesn't. It's not clear from looking at just the basic information. You know, there must be some kind of narrative, right? Like that's the only thing I can think of is that like somebody there's a good story here and like it's something to do with uh the rangers making the playoffs yeah uh, because, as often it can be right like yeah because otherwise it's like he he was very clearly not the best goalie by any standard um that you know like he had uh how many shots they have he probably still had a ton of shots i mean this back then no one was scoring right but yeah um, where's it? Where are shutouts here? Uh, he had 13 shutouts, which is very impressive, except for the fact that someone else also had 13 and another guy had 22. Yeah. So it's well, that, less impressive. But, but maybe, maybe they're doing one of those, you know, well, it's Jordan Hainsworth. I mean, look at the team he plays on. Of course he had 22 shutouts. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just it. Right. So he couldn't be the guy. Whereas maybe the Americans were should have been even worse and Roy Waters was making the difference to make them not be just abhorrent. I don't know. Like, yeah. So our candidates, um, for the actual best player, uh, we have Ace Bailey who was, uh, let me just double check, make sure he was on a team that actually made the playoffs. They did. Um, so we have Ace Bailey who was, uh, the best forward in the league by both total points and points per game, but it was a really low scoring year that year, as you might tell by the fact that somebody had 22 shutouts. Um, but his team was only uh, the uh, the fifth best in a 10 team league, so not great. Um, but then you have Howie Morenz uh, again, um, 27 points, so not way way fewer than the previous year. Um, I, I should double check where that puts him overall. That puts him uh, third, tied for third. Um, but his team wasn't the best team, and and they were also the uh, the best. Uh, where am I? Sorry, I lost my place. Hold on a second. Um, everything has just gone to pot. Uh, so so maybe the case really should be made if you want to make it. Maybe it is for uh, the. Hainsworth, this would be a, a year for a goalie. It does feel yep. like sort of. Um, and otherwise, um, it's possible that it might be a year that a defenseman, unlike the previous year with Gardner, or two years ago with Gardner, it might actually make sense to give it to a Habs defenseman this year because yep. they were, um, like you said about Alec Connell, we don't have shot information, yeah. so we don't know how many shots Hainsworth faced when he made these 22 shutouts. Yeah. Um, and maybe it is that, uh, that one of these guys, you know, whether it's, um, um, sorry, whether it's, uh, Marty Burke or Silvio Mantha, um, who were the two best defensemen on the Canadians, maybe they deserved it. I mean, it is very much, I, I would, I could be talked into the goalie. Um, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Which I feel I, bad about I, I think, um, 
I think either Hainsworth or Warders, um, depending on if you view it as like this team's dominant and the goalie stats are out of this world, or you're like, this team would be garbage without this goalie. However you view the value of a goalie. Um, I mean, I mean, Hainsworth's stats are ridiculous. So the team yeah. must have just been off the charts good, you know? I mean, they're 22-7 and 15. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to assume with such low-scoring games, a lot of ties was going to be sort of inevitable. But you got to figure almost every one of those ties was a 1-1 game. Yeah. Um, and he had 22 shutouts and he has 22 wins. So you got to figure a lot of those wins were one nothing games as well. Um, yeah. Or 2-0 maybe with an empty netter or something like that. But I mean, they gave up, they gave up if, 43 did, goals did in pull, 43 games. Did they even pull the goalie back then? They probably didn't. Um, I doubt <laughs> it. But they, they yeah. gave up 43 goals in 44 games. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, pre- they won a lot of games by shutout. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the thing is, he has 22 shutouts. I was about to say, well, then they all have to have been shutouts. Like, uh, there could have been a lot of 0-0 ties in those 15 ties. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure there were quite a few 0-0 ties in that year as well. Um, it's pretty incredible. Because um, you still get the shutout even if you tie. So yeah, yeah. So, I, I I I think I'm leaning Hainsworth just because that's a ridiculous, ridiculous stat. Yeah, yeah. I I almost I almost feel like I have to give it and say Hainsworth too, because um, yeah. I don't know who else to give it to here. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's very clear that the reason they're you know he had a big part to do with the fact that they were the best defensive team in the league and they were really the best defensive team in the league. Um, and that's why they were the best team in the league. So yeah. for 1930, um, we have Nels Stewart is his, uh, his second award. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this time a lot more, uh, controversial than the, uh, first one. Um, I would say, I would say very controversial. <laughs> and and there's a reason for that. And that reason is, is that Cooney Wayland um, went and scored 73 points, which, as I, I wrote in my notes, was 22 points more than Howie Morenza's record. Yeah, he just annihilated the record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the league completely, after having a very, very low scoring year, the league just burst wide open in 1930. Um, and I believe some of this, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, some of this might have been the increase in roster size. I don't know if they if they exactly coincided. Um, I'm just going to see if the rosters are actually bigger. And they're a little bit bigger. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, so for some reason, uh, and this may have also been they started counting additional assists. I can't, I can't quite remember. But basically... He annihilated the scoring record, um, and um, he did so while being on the best team in the league. And they were the best team offensively, and they were the best team defensively. And so to give it to Nell Stewart seems weird. Yes, very but, weird. Yeah. Well, but here, why... here, sorry. I no, just wanted no, to point out one other really silly thing about this. Yeah, go for it. Wayland came in third in hard boating. <laughs> so they decided so there were two guys who were better than him. So wait, they, they didn't like him or is because 
Boston was a was a relatively new team and they couldn't have this new guy from a new upstart American team winning the award. Like, what's going on there? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, to me, again, as as I said earlier, imagine, imagine a player now. Imagine someone comes in. I mean, this is a lot harder to do. No one's going to break Gretzky's scoring record. But imagine we're walking, watching hockey now, and a guy on the best team in the league. I mean, it's a little like Kucherov last year. A little you know, bit, yeah. Kucherov scored the most points in what was it, like two decades? Yeah, it was. It's been a long. And he, long time. and he was on. And the Lightning were the best. Had the best record, right? Oh yeah, far and away, like best so, record in years. In many yeah, yeah, years. yeah. So like, it's a little like that. But imagine like somebody coming along and being like, "No, this guy who scored <laughs> like, you know, uh, this guy who scored way fewer points on uh, on this team that isn't as good. Um, like he's not even in the top five in scoring. Uh, you know, um, it's just like." It's it's uh, I don't know I just uh, I'm, I'm trying to find their relative uh, so Cooney Whalen scored 0.4 points per game more than Nell Stewart and imagine that like I mean I'm sure someone made that case for somebody last year yes uh, but sure. like imagine enough of the league thought that way I mean the voting was really split Stewart only got 16 percent of the vote. So it does also, it actually, um, this is, a. this brings us into, I mean, they would reform the process, but this brings, it actually is relevant to our uh, current state of affairs in Canada and other places we are trying, some of us are trying to change the way elections happen with voting reform. Yep. And this would, this would be why, because when you have first past the post, you get stupid results. And here's a stupid result. <laughs> Uh, so this this happens in Toronto in, in councillor elections. People win council seats with 16 percent of the vote all the time. And it's because there's like seven people on the ballot and we all split it. And it's it's strict plurality. plurality. And so pardon for that. Uh, pardon me for that digression. But that is what happened here. You have a whole bunch of people who couldn't decide who to vote for, despite the fact that there was one very clear choice. And and Whalen somehow ended up in third. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you if you if you think there's a better candidate than Whalen, I'm all ears. But nope. for me, I don't no, think no, no, no. It's, it's that's that's very clear. Wyland's award, as far as I'm concerned. I think you can go back in time and <laughs> strip it off Nell Stewart and hand it right over because yeah. I mean, yeah, how do you break the record by 22 points? You don't win the award for the best player in the league. Like, come on. I have no idea. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think Mike. The only thing I can come up with is he had he had you know he. Uh, he he had some assists and maybe they were just like yeah well that doesn't matter he led the league in goals but <laughs> he also you know i'm sure they may be saying well some of those assists are like you know we didn't deserve them or something yeah oh come on nobody has that many assists that's never happened yeah yeah he didn't even lead the league in assists so i don't i don't even know if that's a real theory okay so up next we have 1931 um, and the award was given to Howie Morenz. It was his second, and he was on the Habs, and they were second in the league uh, by both metrics. And uh, Howie was uh, he was the best player by points per game. He was the best player by total points. He won. He would have won the Art Ross had it existed. 
and he was the most valuable skater by point shares. Um, so the only difference uh, being that, uh, or so the only uh, critique, I guess we could say uh, about him is that he was not on the best team. He was on the second best team and the best team was once again, the Bruins, but the Bruins had nowhere near as good a year. Uh, we talked a moment ago about uh, Cooney Whalen's uh, record setting 1930. Well, he only had 38 points in, um, in 1931. So, you know, he, he was way behind Morenz as a leader uh, and as a points leader. Um, so, I mean, I don't know about you, um, but like, I'm fine with uh, the heart going to the best player on the second best team, like the best player in the league who was on the second best team. That makes sense to me. There's nothing, I have no issues with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you look at, um, you look at Cooney Wayland and it's like, it's a solid year. He's on the best team, but like Lorenz is a, you know, it's like 13 points above him in yeah. a pretty short season. So that, that's, that's a lot, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's it's a yeah, huge it's... points difference as far as I'm concerned. So I, and I mean, Howie Morenz is a legend for a reason. So, to me, it's like the fact that they were first and second to me makes very little difference. They were clearly both good teams, and he was yeah. far and away the best player in the league that year. So, yeah, and just to like, just to uh, so also it was a two point difference. Like Boston was two points ahead of the Canadians. Oh yeah, it's so just like not much at all. So to me, like it's very clearly Marens. Yeah, I can. Um, and before we move on to 1932, I just also want to mention that Roy Waters, who we we were like shocked won the heart in 1929 he had a better year in 1931 but did not win the heart and not only did he not win the heart just to show you how crazy the voters are he didn't <laughs> get a vote wow so figure that out well because uh, i can't he was feeling a certain way you know yeah yeah uh so 1932 we have howie Morenz for his, his again for his third award uh, th- this time, the Habs were the best team in the league, uh, at least by points. Um, Hockey Reference lists them as the third best team by their symbol rating system. Of course, nobody knew that back then. That was yeah. not a metric that existed. And just a reminder, it's um, it's based on goal differential, among other things. Uh, goal differential and quality of competition. So it, it is a better indicator of how good the team is. But, of course, no one, you know, people just looked at points back then. Um but Busher Jackson on the Maple Leafs was the Art Ross winner, and he also uh, was the uh, uh, leader uh, in terms of points per game. Um, let me just check how much further ahead he was compared to Morenz, if I can find it. Um, a fair amount. Actually, there was a bunch of people. Uh, Howie Morenz was fifth in points, again, uh, points per game with 1.02, and Busher Jackson was 1.1. Um so uh, Marenz was the best player on the best team. Um, you know, the Canadians were, at least by points, were first. Um, and uh, he he led the the, the Habs in uh, points and in point shares. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's uh, this, this year, 1932, comes down to a big question. Who do you prefer? The Like a guy who had a pretty good offensive year on the best team in the league or one of the players who had a better offensive um, year on, uh, let me just check to where the, the Leafs finished. The Leafs were third in terms of points. Uh, but hockey references, if, if using the benefit of high sign, uh, hockey references, uh, simple rating system lists them as the best team in the league. 
by goal differential and strength schedule. However, it's also worth noting that they split. Uh, it's one of those years where had you known, had you had that information, you would know. Uh, uh, you would have a truck. You would have a problem because both Jackson and uh, both Jackson and uh, Charlie Conacher had excellent years and had very very similar seasons. Um, Conacher had forty eight points in forty four games, and Jackson had fifty three points in forty eight games. Um, yeah. And then Joe Primo. So their line, their line just tore it up. And and so you could easily like you could see how in in the, this day and age or in our present day had had we been voting about it or modern writers been voting you could easily see how Joe Primo Charlie Conacher and Busher Jackson would split their own, their vote right yeah they exactly roughly and, equivalent and you know, years and you got to figure there's a lot of hometown voting back then yeah. so like if the hometown Toronto votes is split between a couple of those guys, you know, everyone in Montreal is voting for Morenz. Like it's not yeah. even close. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a legit superstar at that point. He's probably the most famous hockey player in the world at that point. So he's yeah. going to get the votes. And yeah. honestly, his, his season's not far behind Richard Jackson. Like he's what, four points behind. Yeah. Yeah. No, so he, he had a decent year. He had a decent yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and just to, just to let everyone know about the voting, um, the voting, at least hockey references information on the voting this year is for some reason it's it's not super thorough. So there's only two people listed. And the other was the uh, defenseman, Ching Johnson for the Rangers. So who the hell knows why nobody voted for any of the Maple Leafs? But apparently that's what happened. Um, but like to me, I it I can see why. I, I can see you could make the argument that. Morenz is the best choice because not only is he on the, at least by points, at least as far as people could tell at the time, the best team, but he's also clearly the best player on that team. Whereas the Maple Leafs have three players who are essentially the same, right? They have Conacher who's scoring all the goals and they have uh, a Jackson who's more balanced. Jackson scores goals and has assists. And then you have Joe Primo who's just setting both of them up. But they all, by points per game, they're all within 0.01 points per game of each other, you know, and and they basically just were the you know the best line in the league that year. And you often have how do you figure out who which of those three guys is the best? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, probably um, I think I think Conacher is the more famous of any of them, right? So um, yeah, at least he's the name that I've heard most. Well, as we will see. Uh, there's a reason for that. Yes, we will yeah. see. But like you know, like maybe that's sort of like the old um, Forsberg, Heydu, Kintange line. Heydu and Tange are very fine players, but only one of them is a surefire Hall of Famer, and that's Forsberg. Just, so it's like that line was crazy dominant, and their stats were probably all very close. But you know that Forsberg's the guy who makes that line like go from being a good line to like a holy crap, we can't stop them line. So. You know, like maybe that's the Conacher effect on that line. So then, you know, just the fact that Busher happens to have, you know, the higher point total that year, maybe it's like, well, yeah, but he's playing with this guy. And also Morenz is by himself or probably not by himself, but like he's playing with not those that dominant of a line and he's still putting up his 49 points. And uh, yeah, like Morenz, Morenz was uh, 10 points ahead of the next guy on his team. Yeah, so there he and he's a superstar, and he won it the year yeah. before, so it's easy for the voters, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it. I think it's a matter of like you look at the Leafs. You know, all three of those guys are in the Hall of Fame now. Whether that's yeah. deserving or not, who knows? But uh, I mean, I I think they all have pretty good cases. Conacher may have the best case because he's one of the best goal scorers in history. But uh, uh, you know, Joe Primo is for his era one of the best passers in history. And anyway, um, but like I think I think that's the that makes it easy to say, yeah, sure, give it to Morenz because Morenz was more dominant relative to his team. He was on the better team. And like, you really, it really is like a, I don't know how I can't even conceive of a three-sided coin, but a three-sided coin toss for the, <laughs> for the Leafs. Right. Yeah. 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 You just like, I guess you could like, if you, if you decide goals are more important than assists, yeah. then you give it to Connick or, or Busher Jackson over Joe Primo. But aside from that, it's really tight. And, you know, you could, your argument for Jackson is, well, Jackson was healthier than Conacher, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, like, anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with Marin's getting it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think this is one of those where there's, like, a bunch of good candidates, and it's it's a bit of a toss-up. And so, in that case, you might as well take the guy who's on the best team. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, like, it's, it's one of those things where the star factor matters for voting like this, right? Whether we want to admit it or not. I mean, if, yeah. if in the NHL, let's just say for argument's sake, let's take McDavid out of it because, you know, he's such a new and random phenom and it's, he's just different than everybody else. But a few years ago, like Crosby was, everybody recognized the best player in the game, but Malkin's pretty close, but they play on the same team. So you're like, yeah. eh. let's just say, you know, Crosby and Tyler Sagan had the same amount of points in the same year. Like, Sagan's not winning the MVP. You know it's going to be Crosby because he's got the rep. Like he's yeah, and I still think he actually is a better player. But it's like you know, like even Sagan would be like, yeah, there's no way I'm winning that. Like nobody's going to vote for me. He's Sidney Crosby. Like there's a certain you're the star and the season's close. You have to have somebody like uh, Kucherov, for example, absolutely blow people out of the water to be like, holy crap, uh, yeah. that guy should be the thing. Like. Yeah, it's funny you picked Sagan because actually there was a year in which they they Crosby led the league in points per game and Sagan was point zero one points per game behind him, but but missed like more games than Crosby did, so it wasn't even it wasn't even and I think also probably Dallas wasn't as good as the Penguins because it was a few years ago. Yeah, there's still um, much the Penguins. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Um, so next up we have 1933 uh, with Eddie Shore's first of many. Heart trophy. Eddie Shore. Uh, and the, uh, yes, yes. Everybody always says Eddie Shore old. Like, I think there's like a law that says you can't say Eddie Shore without saying old time hockey afterwards. Well, yeah, because, because like, <laughs> you have to. Yeah. It should be law. And also, if you haven't seen Slapshot enough times to know that that's what comes after it, you're, yeah, you're, you're missing out. Well, I haven't. I've only seen it like twice. And it was like Seriously? 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I own it. I know it almost verbatim, and still every time I watch it, I laugh my ass off. There's something about it. It's yeah. just it's a per it's a perfect movie. Um, I I mean I, the last time I saw it would have been with you. Probably so, yes. That's probably so that's years. how long ago that it's been since I've seen it. Holy shnikes! Well, you should watch it again, and, and I'll, I'll feed you a nice little slap shot tidbit as we go off on this tangent here, which I feel like we need to because Eddie Shore. Um, Paul Newman did all his own skating in that movie. It was did really not know that. Yeah. Good for good for him. I know it's amazing. I'm, like imp- the, I'm impressed. 
Yeah, I saw an interview with the Hanson brothers. Like, he was like the nicest guy. Did it all his own skating, and we're like, this Hollywood guy's like, he's a pretty good skater. Like, they were super impressed with him. <laughs> huh. so, yeah, there you go. Cool. Did not know that. So, um, Eddie Shore being a defenseman, and this being the 30s and not the 1970s, he obviously did not lead the league in points or points per game. Um, Bill Cook did. Uh, Bill Cook had 50 points, and that's 1.04 points per game. Eddie Shore did lead the league, uh, lead skaters anyway, in point shares, which is not a surprise. Um, he was the uh, the best uh, player by point shares on the best team, which are the Bruins. Um, the best for uh, the best uh, scorer on that team was uh, Marty Berry, and uh, the Bruins were the best defensive team in the league, in addition to the best team, which makes an argument for a defenseman. Yeah. Um, winning the heart. Uh, just hold on a second. I'm going to double check how much better they were defensively than everyone else. I just got to get onto the right season here. Um, so in 33, uh, the Bruins actually, they actually tied for points with the Red Wings, but uh, Hockey References SRS has them as far and away the best team by goal differential. Um, and defensively, they were five goals ahead of the Red Wings. So, you know, five goals over 48 games is, is okay. It's not, like, incredible, but it's okay. And they were, those were the only two teams with under 100 goals given up in the season. So they were both quite good defensive teams. Um, so, sure, uh, you know, it's basically like you have, you have uh, Bill Cook, who had a uh, you know, the best offensive year. Uh, the Rangers were noticeably worse. Um, they are, uh, well, at least by points, they were noticeably worse. They were four points back, and they were tied for third or fourth, depending on how you like to count. Um, SRS has the Rangers a second, so it with, you know, the benefit of that, you could say more of a case for Bill Cook. Um, I, I'm torn here. On the one hand, and so were the voters, I should point out. The voters uh, gave 40% to Shore, 30% to Cook, and then uh, 28% to John Ross Roach, who, memory serves, who was he on Detroit? So he was the goalie of the second-best defensive team. Um, why they didn't give it to Tiny Thompson, who was the goalie of the best defensive team, who knows? But um, Or, or, and I have to only point this out because I love the name, Baldy Northcott. Yeah. Baldy <laughs> Northcott, that's... On name alone, he gets my vote for MVP. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He, he should have won. <laughs> he clearly should have won. Um, I mean, he had a pretty decent year. He did. He really did, but yeah. Unfortunately, he was on the Maroons. I don't know how good the Maroons were this year, but... Uh, oh, they, were, they, were, they weren't as good as uh, the Rangers, but they were still a playoff team. Yeah. Um, for me, like I can see the argument both ways. I can see the argument for Cook; he's the best yeah. offensive player in the league. But also, Shore didn't like Shore actually scored thirty-five points, which is I think one of the best offensive years of his career this oh, year. Yeah. And because he wasn't always a, he didn't always score a lot. Um, and uh, in addition, like that doesn't put him that far off the the pace. Um, no, but also, he is the best. You could argue the best player on the. Not only the best team, but the best defensive team in the league. I didn't realize he had quite that many points because you were talking about how defensively, um, you know, like he was, you know, 
clearly the best defenseman on the best defensive team. But like to me, if he also had 35 points, to me that's like maybe it's because I played defense, but like to me that's a slam dunk. And I'm, I'm well, also to 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 agree with you, Marty Berry, who led the Bruins in points, only had 37. Oh yeah, okay. That's uh, to, to me that's way less controversial. Uh, yeah. So Shore was like a very vital part of that team's success. Well, I mean, which we know already because it's Eddie Shore, but like it's it's uh you know you can see the thinking. Yeah, um, I, I don't have an issue. I was I was sort of like, yeah, they usually give it to the forward. I'm glad they gave it to the defense. Now I'm like, they should have given it to him. That's that. I'm good with that. Yeah, like. Uh, like it's it's uh, I don't know I I think if you're gonna give it to a defenseman you know that you need to sort of given the the history of the award you sort of need to make a case and I think it's a pretty clear case here. Yeah, to, to, to me, if a defenseman wins, you have to be like, okay, that guy's the best player in the league. He makes his team win every game. Like he just does everything. You know, there's very few guys that I would be like that guy, that guy's a defenseman who should win the MVP. You get a guy like. Um, Lidstrom, Pronger, um, maybe Carlson, one of those bonker seasons. But again, that's more of like a he scores points thing. Um, you know, Bobby Orr, uh, may, maybe at one point Ray Bork could have been in consideration. I, I would I would say Ray Bork, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he really drove that team, especially when yeah. Ely got hurt. Yeah. Like, and I, I always think, like, I'm like, Ray Bork's not one of my – he's not my top five defensemen of all time. I don't know what, what it is. I just don't. But. It's that clip, that that famous clip of him getting like, is it Lemieux or somebody just making an ass of him? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, every yeah, and everyone and everyone's seen everyone's seen it, and everyone thinks like that is Rayburg played for like twenty years basically, but that's that like he's bad because there's that one clip. It's quite yeah, funny. Well, I I don't really want to bring Don Cherry too much into our podcast here, but that was my favorite thing he ever said on one of yeah. the Bachums. So he shows a really nice goal that Phil Bork scores. And he's like, yeah. here's Phil Bork doing his Ray Bork impression. And then he shows that clip of Lemieux putting the puck through his skates. And he's like, here's Ray Bork doing his Phil Bork impression. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty harsh there, Don. Jeez. That's pretty funny. Um, back to 1933, uh, the one thing I did also want to point out before we moved on is John Ross Roach, who was the goalie for the, um, you know, the second best defensive team in the league, got like he was third in, in heart voting, but Tiny Thompson, the the Bruins voter, uh, the Bruins goalie rather, led the league in wins, in goals against average, and shutouts. Wow! But was was according to the writers not as good as John Ross Roach, and of course because it's the 30s, we don't have sh- shooting percentage or save yeah, percentage. Yeah. Well, everybody's probably like, well, yeah, if he didn't have Eddie Shore, he wouldn't be that good. So yeah, probably. I just yeah. think that's funny. There was like, it, it seems fairly clear who the best goalie in the league was, and yet. The other one got the heart votes. Yeah. Anyway. That's two years in a row where we had a, a guy named Tiny and a guy named Baldy. So, I mean, this is just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's, the names are well, killing it here. Bald, Baldy had a fairly long career, I think. Uh, and Tiny Thompson is, like, the best goalie of the 30s, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, sorry, there's a few people who might contend for that. But he's definitely up there. Um, so, going ahead to 1934, we have... We finally got ourselves uh, a controversial one after a couple in a row that are pretty clear. And this is Aurel uh, Joliot uh, on the Canadians, who had been in the league for a long time and who, if memory serves, should have won or had a very good case back in the 20s. 
Um, but now it, it almost feels like they gave it as a makeup. Yeah. Uh, because maybe they thought he was going to retire or something because um, he was, the Canadians were the fourth best team by points by SRS. They are fifth best. And remind, let me remind everyone it's a nine team league. So that puts them <laughs> in the middle, very much in the middle and very much uh, like if we look at the, uh, like they are uh, tied for fourth, um, which puts them in the second last playoff spot, basically. So uh, not good. Meanwhile, Charlie Conacher from our, uh, our uh, two years ago discussion uh, at 32, he led the league in points. He led the league in point shares. He led the league in points per game. And he was the best player on the best team in the league. Oh, wow. So, oops. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't like... And here's here's where it gets really crazy, though. So we go to the voting. Lionel Conacher, his brother, came in second in heart voting. Charlie did not get a vote. What did did they get? Did they just see Conacher and pick and just got the wrong guy? I have no idea. Wow, that's um, weird. His brother is a defenseman, and he was on the the Blackhawks. And the Blackhawks were, uh, I believe, the best defensive team in the league. They were okay. Oh, so so he, did, the, he did deserve the votes. It's not a case so, of like a. Yeah, it's not like a complete. It's not a complete joke, but like, the fact that his brother didn't get a single vote is bizarre. Yeah. It's almost like they were like, "Hey, we uh, a defenseman from the best defensive team won last year. We should do that again." Some of them were like that, and then the other people were like, "Well, Joliet may retire, so let's vote for him," or something. So, so what? Like, I wonder what the voting split was back then like if montreal had more hockey writers therefore had more votes um and then yeah i honestly don't know because because like that would it's the only way it would make sense to me is like all the montreal writers got together at i don't know uh maybe i can't remember if schwartz's was open back then but like got together at uh, you know some tavern or restaurant back in old tiny montreal um and just basically said yeah we're all voting for joliet because we know he's going to retire he probably should have won it way back when and they know they have a third of the league votes, basically, and just said, if we all vote that way, all the Anglos will split their votes all over Toronto and America, and we'll for sure he'll win it, you know? Like, I don't know if that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, there were English publications in Montreal as well, so they would have had to get them on board. But, like, it seems weird that he won if it wasn't like everybody else just split their vote ever so narrowly, right? Like, Well, and he had, like... He had 16 points less than Conacher. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, there were lots of guys who had more points than him. Like, yeah. at least, it, it, like, I think seven or eight at least. Um, also, weirdly, he was the only forward who got a vote. Bizarre. It's, it's three defensemen and a goalie and him. Wow. Including a defenseman on the Leafs, who, I should point out, were the best offensive team in the league, not the best defensive team in the league. Yeah. Well, maybe um, that's why he won, because he was the only forward, and some people just were like, oh, yeah, he has... He's a yeah. forward. Pick him. I don't know. Well, and and so I don't know whether they just hadn't started doing way like ranked ballots yet or what. But the voting at the time, it just seems like it was just straight up votes. Yeah. And so he did get a plurality of the votes. Obviously, that's why he won. Yeah. But like that would fit with your theory if there were guys with sixty-two votes in Montreal and and everywhere else. You know, they split like the the New York guys split their vote between a guy on the Rangers and a guy on the Americans and the Toronto people all decided King Clancy for some reason. And the Chicago people decided 
Charlie's brother, yeah. Then then that's you know I don't know I I don't specifically know why uh, King Clancy was deemed the best player on the Maple Leafs that year when they uh, when they were the best offensive team in the league. Yeah. Um, by by fifty four goals I should point out. Yeah. Um, so they were far and away the best offensive team in the league. They were far and away the best. In fact, here so SRS. SRS is like it's it's basically um, you know uh, goals above and below average, right? Yeah. So and and zero is average, and Toronto is SRS for thirty four is one point zero two. The next best team is zero point two eight. Wow! So they were very clearly the best team in the league. Wow. There isn't even there's you know, they were only three points ahead of uh, the Red Wings, but based on like underlying goal the goals ratio rather than on just the you know the points they were very clearly the best team in the league so it's weird to me that a they only had one person receive a heart vote and b that that person was a defenseman i i i think this is really bad i don't think joliet has a case i think it's very clearly charlie conacher's award i i would say so as well um and I don't know why they would have picked King Clancy. Other, well, I mean, obviously he's a legendary player, and that trophy's named after him. He very clearly was one of the greatest Leafs of all time. But like, what, why does Conacher have zero votes? Is that like, uh, if all the Toronto writers we can get all get together and decide who we want to vote for? Okay, we're all going to vote for Clancy. We don't want Montreal to win it. Like, it has that feel, doesn't it? I mean, the other thing I'm thinking of is that Eddie Shore won the year before, and they were all like, "Oh, it should go to defenseman now." Yeah, and like, and that's 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 what they were thinking, and I don't know, I have no basis uh, for that in fact, like in fact, but like I I feel like, you know that, I don't know, and that's that's my only other guess. Like I can't think of why else it could be. It feels like it's, uh, you know, it just it it feels like the, it's sort of like they were like, oh okay, well we turns out we can actually vote for defensemen, so let's vote for defensemen, yeah. as opposed to forwards because only one of them got votes which is very very strange or or you know it's the height of the great depression and uh, king clancy was down at the soup kitchen every day so he's getting all the votes yeah yeah i mean yeah could be anything it could be anything like that it's very uh it's very strange um all right so let's go ahead to 35 um where sorry I, I lost my place. Uh, so Eddie Shore wins his yes. Eddie Shore wins his second, um, and he was uh, on the Bruins, of course. And the Bruins were second by points. And in a modern uh, assessment by SRS, they would have been fourth. Um, and once again, Charlie Conacher was the best forward in the league on the best team in the league. <laughs> and this time he got votes, though he just didn't win. Um, so he actually came in second this year instead of coming in zero or like last or whatever you want to call it. But um, it's it's uh, again, it, it's this is so this one. This is the one that like this is a little stretch here that really made me think about the, the nature of like how we think about the past and, and players and stuff, because like here's a guy who like I know we're going to we're going to get into thirty five in a second and decide whether or not Eddie Shore deserved it. But like if, if Charlie Conacher had won the award in 34 and 35, which it feels like he has a pretty good case for. Yep. 
he would be much more famous than he currently oh, is. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that feels there's something about that that strikes me as slightly unjust. Yeah. Um, you know, because like, like, well, we'll talk about the short one in a second, but the Joliet one is like, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, there's not a case for Joliet, and and so like, there's at least one heart here that he should have won, and you know, it's a short as we talked about at the very beginning of the series. It's a short list of uh, guys who have won at least two heart trophies. Yeah. So Eddie Shore, like I said, uh, defenseman on the uh, second best team in the league. Um, they were not the best defensive team in the league. They were the, uh, let me just check. Uh, they were the fourth best defensive team in the league. Um, and uh, Eddie Shore had, why didn't I write down his stats? That would have been helpful, eh? <laughs> so Shore had uh, 33 points. Again, one of his better offensive years. Uh-huh. Um, but was fourth in his team in scoring this time. And uh, like I said, they were not even close to the best defensive team in the league. Um, so to me, I am very much on uh, Charlie Conacher's side here. I don't know how you feel. I, I feel like he should have won at least one of those two awards, probably both. Um, yeah. You know, the Eddie Shore one, I mean, the defenseman's got 33 points back in those days. You can see the argument for him winning it. But, but I feel like the fact that, you know, at least this one, Conacher's really close. It's like 31% to 28%. Yeah. That's close, at least. Like, he he was strongly in consideration. Like, he wasn't getting blackballed or, you know, yeah. he wasn't, uh, you know, maybe he had a bit of a Barry Bonds thing and he was a jerk. So people were like, I'm not voting for him. I hate him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, even though Barry Bonds did win many, many MVPs despite him being a jerk. He was just that good. Um, but it's... It, like there's so, the, the the last one was so weird that it was almost like we know Montreal is gonna vote for this guy so we've all got to try to vote for the same guy like it had that feeling big time this one's like all right he lost out Shore's already got one Shore's got a reputation he's a big star in the league like you can sort of see how he didn't win it even though but at least he was considered uh, the last one was ridiculous um, yeah so you know I I, I feel like he should have won the last one and. Then if he came in second in this one, you'd be like, wow, he was almost a two-time MVP. That's impressive. You know? So. Yeah. I think I'm I mean, with Shore here, but I, I, if you wanted to say, like, Conacher should have won it, I'm also okay with that. Like, I think it's such a close vote that I'm like, okay, that's – clearly they were the two best, you know? Like, it's nobody else is that close, so. I guess I just, like – I think had the Norris existed at the time, he would have won the Norris. I agree. Um, sure. And yeah. and I just wonder like I I understand like this is the kind of defenseman in particular you really would need to go back and watch film and in this case like who the hell knows how much film there is of the 1935 Boston Bruins but Probably like none. <laughs> yeah but like my issue here is that like at least just looking at it like from a bird's eye view they're not the best defensive team they're not even close to the best defensive team they are um. They're like, so the best defensive team gave up 88 goals. The Bruins gave up 112 over 48 games. That's a yeah. fairly big difference. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not like the best, like points wise. They're, they're second in the league, but they're six points behind uh, um, the, the Maple Leafs. If you, if you look at it in a modern perspective with SRS, they're fourth. 
I just like I don't see a clear case for Eddie Shore personally, whereas I see a very clear case for Conacher. He's the best forward in the league, and he's on the best team, and that team is once again the best team in the league by no nowhere near as much as in '34, where they were very clearly the best. But like they are still the best, and in fact, if you just go by points, they're more definitively the best than they were the year before. So to me, it just seems like it's it's clearly him. But I I've, I've never watched Eddie Shore play hockey, and yeah. I I know for a fact that like. I've I've seen defensemen play where I know that their their contributions don't show up on the stat sheet. So it's entirely possible that Eddie Shore is it's just I mean, he's considered one of the best one of the best couple probably best couple defensemen, you know, best top five or whatever in the history of the yeah. league. Yeah. So maybe he did deserve it, but at least like without seeing him play, I, I personally my vote would be for Conacher. Yeah, I I think that you're I'd be okay with Conacher too. Alright. So on to 36, which is another Eddie Shore year, uh, because he, as, as I alluded to earlier, he won a lot. Um, so this is his third, and he was uh, the Bruins were uh, tied fourth in points, but this time SRS has them as a better team, has them as third best in the league. Um, and this time there is no consent, there's less of a consensus best forward, though uh, it's Sweeney Schreiner led the league in uh, in points. Uh, with with 45, and he was also the best player by uh, PPG. It's worth noting that this was a year in which no one scored even a point per game because it's it was a low scoring era. Um, but uh, um, he did he had some people who were somewhat close behind him, and of course to make things more complicated, Schreiner was not on the Red Wings, who were the best team in the league. And to Eddie Shore's credit, uh, he was once again on the best defensive team in the league, though he scored way fewer points this time with only 19, um, which is more closer in line with his career average. Yeah. Um, so this, so this, I have a note here that's saying that this is a year of incredible parity, yeah. and, and that's brought up because of of the playoff teams. They all scored. Um, sorry, the league was really weird. Uh, it was uh, playoffs were completely divisional, so oh, really? actually one of the teams that scored 50 points didn't make the playoffs, and the team that scored 39 did. But yeah. there were there were um, there were so there was uh, eight teams in the league in 1936 because it was a very volatile time. So that's how there were nine teams like a year ago, and now there's only eight. Um, but there were six teams that had between 50 and 56 points. So they were really close together. Um, though one of those teams, because of the stupid playoff structure, didn't make the playoffs, and instead a team with 39 points got in. Go figure. Um, but basically, this is a real... There's no clear... You know, Schreiner... Okay, Schreiner's like, you know, the best forward. He is on the Americans who were a playoff team only only because of the stupid playoff structure. Um, and you have all these teams really close together. I mean, to me... I mean, it's, 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 I, I'm personally, I don't know you, I'm fine with Eddie Shore this year. Uh, best defenseman on the best defensive team seems like as good a choice as, as, uh, as picking, um, you know, the best forward on the best offensive team or the best player on the best overall team. Like one of those three guys should win probably. Yeah. So those people were Marty Berry, who was the best player on the Red Wings or, Again, Charlie Conacher, 
the be- the best forward on the Maple Leafs or Eddie Shore, the best defenseman on the Bruins. And I'm I'm personally I'm fine that it was Eddie Shore. I think that makes yeah, sense. You know, it, it seems almost like he's winning it on reputation at this point, right? Like, yeah. And, and and there was nobody who clearly beat his brains out. So you're like, wow, okay. Like, of, of all the short ones, you're like, well, that's the one I could see them being like, let's throw this guy a bone. He's great. And he, like, nobody went above and beyond this, this year at all. So, um, yeah. Like, if you look at the black ink um, uh, in the little best player race box I did, I mean, it, Conacher, once again, has a pretty good case. Yeah, you know he led the league in goals. He led the league in goals created, point shares, goals per game, point shares per game. But I mean, as we were just saying a minute ago, like defensemen have some stuff that don't appear on the stat sheet, and the Bruins were this time. The Bruins were the best defensive team in the league. Okay. Um, so you know, uh, and by fair by nine goals. Yeah. Which is significant over 48 games. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I think I'm okay with this award again. Um, I like the fact that he's getting credit as being that great of a defenseman. And like, like, like you said, we're never going to know because we don't get to watch him. But like, the reputation is there. I just, I'm starting to feel really bad for Conacher because he could have had a lot of MVPs. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It's really crazy how he could have had. Art, you could make a case for three in a row. Yeah. Which is is just like it's kind of nuts. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, honestly, prior to doing, as I've mentioned many times on this show, perhaps too many times, I do uh, sports trivia on a trivia question site called Sporkle. And, and prior to doing those quizzes, I don't think I'd ever personally heard of uh, Charlie Conacher. No, yeah, it's, it's not a name that comes up a lot when you talk about hockey history, unless you're really deep into it. Yeah, and had I been older, had I been raised by Leafs fans instead of by an American baseball fan, I, I might have, <laughs> like... You know, I became a Leafs fan because I grew up in Toronto, not because my dad was a Leafs fan. He was, yeah. He didn't watch hockey. Um, but like, I can see how like if my family had been hockey fans, they would have been like talking about how great Charlie Conacher was because he was a Maple Leaf. But like without that, I did not experience that. And it's only like looking at this stretch, he went on this incredible run, and yet he has no hardware, you know, at all. Yeah. To show for it. Um, which is like, it, it sucks for, for his legacy because like, you know, I mean, I think people who are really into the history of hockey know he is, but everybody else, like, who the hell is he? So, uh, 37, uh, Sweeney Schreiner is once again, the best forward in the league, um, wins the Art Ross again and is the, uh, um, the leader in points per game. And, once again, the heart goes to somebody other than him, and that's Babe Siebert, a defenseman on the Canadians. Um, and uh, he, um, oh, I, I need to move my leagues forward. Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so he was on the Canadians were second in points, uh, though SRS paints them as nowhere near as good as that, as it puts them at fifth, and this is in a I believe it's an eight-team league still, um, and uh, and so this is another one where it's a little weird. Um, Siebert is the best defenseman on the second best team, um, who are actually not as good as they appear, 
and it's it's sort of uh it's sort of hard to i this is one of those where i think there's got to have been a like strong narrative drive here he was older he was 33 yeah um he had 28 points he had never been he had, sorry i was gonna say he'd never been nominated for the heart before he was he was nominated for the heart in 26 when he finished 14th which must have been last because and there were years i didn't know they had 14 players on the ballot um it's it's just this is it's just it's confusing and i i have to think that it's like there was some strong narrative about him because the Habs were clearly not the best team overall they were not the best offensive team they were not the best defensive team they were just you know a playoff team and, uh, you know, in addition to that, um, and they were like, you know, not great at either. I mean, they were seventh in offense in an eight-team league, and they were uh, fifth in defense in an eight-team league. So they're not very good. So they're not very good. Uh, he was third in scoring because nobody scored that much. Um, yeah. Like, uh, it was a low-scoring era, and uh, so 28 points was a fair amount, especially for a defenseman. Um, but on his team, you know, Johnny, Johnny G- uh, Gagnon uh, had 36 points, which led his team. Um, I don't know. I just I don't, I don't see it, personally. Yeah, um, it's, it's got to be one of those ones where it's like, you know, he's been rock-solid his whole career. It's almost like a Lifetime Achievement Award at that point. And sweet, that's the thing, too. Sweeney Schreiner, despite his totally sweet name... Um, He's not blowing people out of the water, right? Like he's well, not the other thing, points. the other he, thing about Schreiner is he's on the Americans and they didn't make the playoffs. Ah, uh, okay, so he's the best player on a terrible team. Yeah. Ah, uh, so that that's hurting him too, right? So yeah. Um, but to me, it's it it's, it seems like there's a pattern of wanting to give it to D men, and yeah. uh, you know maybe they had just grown uh, tired of Eddie Shore. He didn't have a particularly good year, and it's like, well, this yeah. guy's doing it well for a very long time, so let's give him an award. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm inclined, uh, given that Schreiner is basically, like for most people, is out of it because he was, his team didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. I think this is probably for me. I I don't see why it, you don't we don't just go with Marty Berry, who was the best forward on the Red Wings, who were also the best. They were the best team all around. Their best defensive team, best offensive team. And he was only two points off Schreiner's lead. Oh, man. Um, so, like, to me, I don't know, that seems, like, reasonable. Yep, that sounds fine to me as well. You know, he was also .02 points per game off Shriner, along with still apps on Toronto, but Toronto wasn't as good as the Red Wings Yeah. this year. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it, it feels to me like this is Marty Berry's yep, uh, poor forgotten yet another guy who's, yeah. like, not remembered but I I'd never heard of Babe Siebert before this either, so I think um, I had, but only because like it's Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I don't live there, so um, yeah, because it just like I mean, you could give it to Larry Ori too, I guess, uh, depending yeah. on how you feel about uh goals, you know, because he led the league in goals that year. Um, but I mean, either of those guys would be a better choice, I think, than Siebert. I would agree. I, I think we're into uh, we're into a lifetime achievement award at that point. I really, yeah, I really, that's what it was. So thirty-eight is Eddie Shore's fourth and final trophy. 
Eddie Shore. Uh, yeah, and this time the Bruins are the best team in the league. Yay! There, you go. there we go. So once again, giving it to perhaps the best player and the best team in the league, which we like to see. Uh, the Bruins were also the best defensive team in the league, which is a reason to give it to a defenseman. So good for you. Um, Shore only had 17 points, but this is it's worth pointing out. This is still a fairly low scoring era. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the Bill Cowley had way more points than him. But of course, the Bruins strength was defense and not offense. Um, so defensively, they were seven goals ahead of the next uh best defensive team which is you know not incredible but like um still decent um and they and srs also i should point out it it rates them as tied for the best team in the league so their best team by points and they're tied for best as srs so they're still they're you know the best team in the league. They're, they're legit yeah yeah um gordy drillin is the best forward he uh, won the art ross uh he led the league in PPG. He led the league in point shares or led uh, among skaters anyway. Um, but I, uh, I don't have a problem with this. Um, I know, I know 17 points or sorry, 20. I'm sorry. It looks like it's 20 points. Sorry. I said 17, uh, 20 points is not very much for this award, but like, I'm pretty sure like, you know, he's, he's, he's established as, one of the best defensemen of all time. And he's on the best defensive team that year. They're the best team. I, I, I don't, I, 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 I'm fine with it. Like it doesn't bother me. Um, Same here. Yeah, I don't begrudge him the award. Had he had, let's say Conacher had won the ones that we thought Conacher should have won. This would have been Eddie, Shore, Eddie Shore's like lifetime achievement award. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead it's his fourth one reaffirming how incredible he was which like i said and like you've said we don't know he might have been just that incredible and you're like man yeah. this guy is just really something else yeah. i mean i mean for his name to show up in you know slapshot was made in the 70s i think like 76 i want to say yeah for his name to show up in that movie and like guys i played with eddie shore like that like for that name to show up that many years later as like being the be all and end all of great players of old, you know, the representative of old time, classy hockey, like it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive that that name stuck around that long. He must've been something else. Yeah. Especially like, and you think about all the other names we know from those eras, they're all forwards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Lone Taylor, it's Howie Morenz, it's you know, it's it's those guys. For him to show up as like that defenseman, sort of, you know, you, you kind of get the sense maybe he was like a the Bobby Orr before Bobby Orr. <laughs> yeah. Um, just yeah. like this guy is on another planet. Like, wow, look at him go, kind of thing. So. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I only ever sneeze when we're recording because that's the way it is. <laughs> um. <laughs> I really, I always, I feel like I'm perpetually talking about cough buttons. It's true. I just need a cough button. Um, I, uh, I, like, I agree. Um, his reputation is so, so great. You know, um, I mean, this is a guy who I feel like I'd heard of even before I paid attention to hockey. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I, I definitely, 
as I've said many times on this show, I am skeptical of a lot of like the history of the sport because I don't know how critical people were thinking in the past. I think a lot of people in the past did not think particularly critically about things and that narrative was a very useful trope. But I think there's so much about how great Eddie Shore was. It's just like, it's sort of a preponderance of it, right? Like, it's just yeah. like people just go on and on and on. And, and, and I think that there are other years where, especially one year in particular, where like, it feels like it's very much somebody else's award, but this one, this doesn't, this doesn't bother me. Like he, he was the best defenseman on the best defensive team. That team was also the best team in the league. Uh, Drillin was on the Leafs who were the best offensive team in the league, but they were just barely the best offensive team in the league. And they weren't the best team overall. They were like 10 points behind the Bruins. I think you got to give it to shore. Like I just, yeah. I think even, even without the reputation, I think it, 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 it's a pretty it feels like it's a good case. It does. You know? So, uh, up next we have 1939. Oh yeah. And, uh, in that one, it went to Toe Blake, uh, yeah. who was on the Canadian. Another mention in Slapshot, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Toe Blake. Uh, another, another famous, uh, very famous, uh, player. Um, however, uh, it's, <laughs> It's worth noting that um, he was on uh, in this this year anyway. His team was fifth in a seven-team league, so that's not good. <laughs> um, actually, uh, my mistake. I have them written down as fifth. They weren't fifth. They were sixth. Oh boy. I think wow. SRS SRS has them at fifth. So, uh, sorry, they were by points they are sixth. By SRS they are fifth. Toblik won the Art Ross, however, so that presumably is uh, is why he won because uh, he won the Art Ross. Um, I in my notes I wrote that this was fine and. I don't know why I wrote that because <laughs> that feels to me like not true. You know, he won the Art Ross, but he, they barely made the playoffs. Yeah. You know, uh, by the way, six team playoff in a seven team league feels incorrect. Yes. But so they shouldn't have made the playoffs. Like, what, you, Sorry. You want to go, you want to go 14 playoffs like that? Reduces the amount of games you can play. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, the the Canadians were a they were uh, thirty five points behind the Bruins. Oh my god! <laughs> so clearly, Toe Blake is your MVP. Well, because he was the best player on a bad team, and they wouldn't have made it without him. And then uh, you know the this Bruins is... had guys like Clapper and Conacher and Cowley all yeah. playing together. That doesn't seem fair. So this is this is very much like. I guess this is like this is the Taylor Hall thing, right? Yeah. This is like without Toe Blake, there's no way the Habs make the playoffs. They would have been the worst team in the league instead of the second worst team in the league. He did oh, a great might, job. They might have been kicked out of the league for being so bad if it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I uh despite writing fine, 
in my notes. I'm I am not okay with that. <laughs> I can tell, yeah. I, I, I feel like so Bill Kelly uh finished five points behind um Blake in the race because he missed a bunch of games. Uh, how many did he miss? Uh Kelly missed oh he missed a lot of games actually. Ooh. I was gonna say, like, let's give it to Bill Kelly who was who led the the Bruins in points, but he missed 14 games, which in a 48-game season is too much. Yeah, but, but he still led them in points? Yeah. He had okay. a great year. Okay, so look, at that point to me, that's like, okay, if that guy stays healthy, he's like, he's killing this. It's obviously his award. Um, yeah, but four, I, I, that's I'm a lot really of games. It's over so. longevity or durability kind of guy too, though. So that's Yeah, but I agree with you. Like, in most cases, I agree with you. I just feel like there has to be like a minimum games played requirement, and that I don't know what that is, but I think it like if you're getting into like he only played like two thirds of the season or something, we're getting into you know he he's he's still like very clearly the best forward in the league. Yeah, like he he. he like he had 42 points and Toe Blake won the Art Ross with 47. Yeah. So I mean, like he's he's very although like like we said he's on a way better team than Toe Blake, so you could have, still have that argument, but like he was on a rip roaring pace there. So yeah. To, to to me it always seems very unfair to punish a guy for the fact that somebody knee jobbed him, he yeah. hit a hole in the ice. Like it feels like just like that guy was clearly amazing and then bad luck or a dirty play sort of took him out of winning very clearly what should have been his award. I I agree. I agree in theory. I just, I look at like missing 14 out of 48 games and there's something about that that just, I have trouble saying he deserves it, but I don't know who the better option is because if you look at like, if you look at the Bruins, um, you know, the next highest scorer on the team is Roy Conacher with 37 points in 47 games, which is like five less than Cali in 13 more games. It's very clear that Cali is better this year. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, but I don't think Toe Blake is the answer. Well, I, I, this could be another one, you know, Syllabs is very high up there cause he's getting the, Toronto vote and then you know Blake's getting all that Montreal vote so I you know like it, it, it's this might be another one where it's like well everybody in Montreal voted for the same guy yeah Abs, Abs but, didn't have but, a good year either like no but but, it, it, but at least in this case he was far and away the best player on that team because they were bad but like yeah like you know it, it seems like a lot of the awards that Montreal's winning and I you know, I don't want to take the crap on. Them. I'll get some angry Habs fans like furious at me. Um, it it's it just seems like Montreal sort of maybe stuck to their vote. Like we're gonna vote for the best guy on our team, and I can see why they did that too because a lot of times they're like, well, this guy's French, so no one else is gonna vote for him. No English guy will vote for him, so we have to keep our vote together. Maybe that maybe maybe that's what was going on, but we don't we don't know for sure. I'm just throwing out a theory here and seeing if it sticks to the wall but if it feels like for every montreal guy wins has a uh, that wins has a uh, percentage that is very very close to 30 so how many writers did they have 
and how many of their writers were voting for a Bruin or a Leaf. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, like, that is quite funny. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. I, I have a compromise that will make me happy and perhaps nobody else happy. <laughs> and you don't have to side with me. You can totally go for Bill Cowley. I'm 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 going to vote for Dick Clapper. Really? He's the best. He's the best defenseman on the Bruins, and the Bruins are both the best offensive team and the best defensive team in the league. And he and he played 42 games. He did. So that that's my compromise for myself. Well, to, to to me, it's a, it, it's Cowley, and then Toblake if you don't count the number of games. So. All right. Yeah. Hey, we disagreed. <laughs> There you go. Hey, we finally it's, did it. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> uh, okay, that's great. That's that's progress. This is progress. I feel like. <laughs> well, we'll be yelling at each other in no time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, 1940. We have another another defenseman. Another questionable questionable defenseman. And another uh, Yeah. Yes. A, a fantastic name. Ebby Goodfellow. He was a defenseman on the Red Wings, who were fifth in point, uh, fifth in points in a seven-team league. Uh, again, <laughs> which means they barely made the playoffs as well. Well, a little more than barely, but uh, unlike the the Habs the previous year, they they made the playoffs, but they were still not good. Um, and uh, oops, I, I pressed. I got to go ahead there on the. Sorry, I'm talking out loud about what I'm doing on my computer, and it's not helpful. Um, so, uh, still apps. Yeah. Uh, still apps, uh, having not had a good year in 1939, uh, having put up 0.57 points per game in 1939, put up 1.11 points per game in, uh, in 1940, which put him in the lead of the league. However, he also, like Bill Callie the year before, didn't play a lot. And so... He did not win the Art Ross. He's actually not even in the top five in scoring. He only scored 30 points because I don't know what he played games-wise, but it wasn't much. Instead, Milt Schmidt won the Art Ross with 52 points. He was also uh, second in the league in points per game at 1.08, so only .03 behind apps. Um, And he also led the league in point shares. It's worth pointing out. And he was on the best team in the league, Milt Schmidt. So... One might think that Milt Schmidt was the best choice for the heart, but no, it was Evie Goodfellow. <laughs> the Red Wings were, uh, like I said, fifth in points. In goals four, they were sixth. Tie. Sorry, they were sixth, but they were tied for last. Good with, lord. With the Montreal Canadiens, and goals against, they were fifth. So, again, this feels like there was some narrative. As you said, Bill, about uh, uh, Siebert, it really feels like this could be one of those, you know, um, uh, career. Yeah. Uh, how, old, how old is Goodfellow? Uh, i got to look up his age. Um, because it feels like one of these, like, career awards. He was, when he won the heart? No, he was 20. Oh, yeah, he was 32. He was 32. Yeah, so it's got that feel to it, and yeah. it's you've seen his name appearing in ballots before, so that you can clear can see there's like a sentiment there of like we're gonna give him one eventually. He's a great guy, yeah. you know, he's been good for so long, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's 
it's got that feel to it. And then you look at Schmidt and you're like, clearly, clearly yeah. Schmidt, right? Like, yeah, clearly Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's even, not, to me, it's not even close. It's Schmidt. Like, 100%. so, so he is, you know, like I said, he's not quite, uh, he didn't lead the league in points per game, but apps played only 27 games, which yeah. I know you were like, you're cool with uh, Cali playing 34, but I feel like 27 is like getting really to the point yeah, where you that, can't that, even that, consider that, it anymore. No, no, no. That's uh, and, and I agree. And, and here's what I'm seeing too. If, if Clapper's still on the Bruins at that point, which I, th- I believe he was, um, so. and, and Schmidt's on the Bruins, they split that vote 19.9 and 15.9. So yeah. that's why Goodfellow wins, right? Because they yeah. their Bruins vote, their or their American vote, and yeah. then, you know. It ends no, you're 100 percent right. You're 100 yeah. percent right about that. They totally split their own vote. Then they screwed over their player. Yeah. Their and player. all the Montreal writers are like, none of the Habs are good enough. Vote for that Detroit Red Wings fellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the Habs didn't make the playoffs, so they're like, yeah. they're like we can't vote for a Hab this year. So like suspicious. you said, <laughs> so let's pick a random guy on. The other team that's really bad this year. Who do, who do we hate the least? The Red Wings. Yeah, yeah vote for them. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to I'm like come around to your Montreal. theory. I'm just painting Montreal writers as like this group of cronies trying to fix the league. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some angry emails. I should please don't tell them my email. Um, but I, I'm coming around to your theory though. Like, so we're both I, gonna get angry emails because I'm starting to think it's correct. It could be. It very well could be. But who knows, right? Like, yeah. I think that's a normal thing that would have happened in a very small league like that. Toronto guys voted for a Toronto player unless yeah. someone else was so clearly better that they just sort of went, well, I'm going to be the guy who votes for that guy. And it's all done anonymously, but it, it the, the, the voting seems to fall on lines of pretty much the Montreal voters were going to vote for the best tab or the obvious best other player who would beat the Toronto guy and the Toronto voters are always going to vote for the Toronto guy and the Boston writers or the American writers were going to vote for the bot, whichever best American, not American player because they're mostly Canadians back then, but like the best guy who played for an American team, like that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, 1941, we have Bill Cowley with his first, finally (laughs) with his first heart. And the Bruins, uh, he was on the Bruins, and he led the league in points per game with an explosion, 1.39. Um, so we're getting back close to, like, Cooney, Wayland levels yeah. of points. Um, 64 points, that's the Art Ross. And also he led skaters in point shares. He was on the best team in the league, who were the Bruins. The Bruins were um, five points ahead of the next best team. They were also well ahead by SRS. Uh, SRS paints them as... Uh, Point three six ahead of the next best team, which in SRS terms is that's a lot. Um, so they were the best team in the league, hands down. Um, they were the best offensive team in the league by 23 goals over uh, 48 games is a lot. Uh, and they were the third best or sorry, second best uh, defensive team and only by three goals. So they were very close to being the second, uh, the best defensive team as well. So the best team in the league, um, the Leafs just barely beat them out. The Leafs and, and they tied with the Red Wings as well. Um, I mean, to me, this is open and shut. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Cali. Yeah, there's there's no question, and yeah. it's and nice. The, fa- the fact he only won the vote like twenty three percent to twenty one percent is ridiculous. <laughs> Agreed, and yeah. again, it gives a lot of credence to your theory about the the voters voting in blocks. Yeah, you know, because like apps. I mean, 
apps is uh did the app apps sorry i gotta double check here was it apps no it was clapper i'm sorry uh, yeah. So Clapper, maybe, because he's on the Bruins, I guess yeah, there's a case, see. but, like, it's, it's, Cali, like, was, had a really good offensive year compared to a bunch of the past few years. He, like, yeah. they really broke out, and oh, uh, yeah. Clapper, you know, Clapper was eighth in scoring on the Bruins. Um, So, you know, unless he was really, um, him, yeah, unless he was, like, having a huge impact on the defensive end, it's hard to see the argument. Yeah. And, and they're lucky. The Bruins, the Bruins are lucky that they're like, they didn't totally split the vote enough that enough people voted for apps and, uh, Sid Howe to like, you know, and Brian Hexall to make sure that Cali won because it's a very close race for how definitive it looks to us. It's a very close race. Yeah. Like 23, 21 and 20 and 18 and 16. And and meanwhile, Cali is uh, how far ahead in the score? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, like that's that one's a slam dunk. There's, I'm I'm glad he won it finally. He he was 17 points out of the next guy in the yeah. league. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The why this was a why this vote almost got split five ways makes no sense and just shows that you cannot trust these people. All right, uh, we have one more uh, for our pre-original six hearts. Uh, and that, and this one, this one's an interesting one, and that is because it's a defenseman, but he didn't make the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, this is Tom Anderson, and Tom Anderson uh, won. And I have two theories as to why he won, but before we get to that, um, so there was a bit of a. Uh, it wasn't clear who the best forward was, which is one reason why perhaps it went to a defenseman. Brian Hextall and Lynn Patrick tied for the point for points per game at 1.17. And Hextall played slightly more, so he had 56 points, and Lynn Patrick had 55. So you're splitting votes right away. Though the, uh, the voters didn't feel that way because Hextall didn't get any votes. Wow. <laughs> so who, who knows why that was. But... In theory, the voters should have been split between the two of them that because they had, uh, they were on the same team. So I guess people decided that Lim Patrick, who scored more goals than Axel, was the better player. Um, so the theory, so so the Americans were not good. Uh, as I pointed out, they missed the playoffs. It is a uh, seven-team league. They were in seventh by points uh, and SRS also puts them in seventh. Um, they were seventh in goals for, and they were seventh in goals against. They were, by any conceivable standard, the worst team in the league. Wow. So why the hell did uh, Tom Anderson win this? Well, uh, one theory is that people knew that, that the Americans were done as a franchise. Um, this was They had moved to Brooklyn, and uh, they were they changed their name. I'm not sure they actually physically moved. They had been the New York Americans. They were now the Brooklyn Americans. Yeah. Um, and uh, so maybe they knew the franchise was dying and they wanted to send one of the players off with a, with a heart <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. And the other, the other option is Tom Anderson used to be a winger. And he, uh, he had a really, for a defenseman, he had the best scoring year in the history of defensemen with 41 points. 
That's probably it's got to be the that's the only reason I can think of. Yeah. So this is so, it's, it's got to be one of those that Rangers trio, right? Like otherwise. Hmm. So this is this is what I would say to anyone who thinks this is okay. <laughs> if if Paul Coffey had been given the heart in a year when the Oilers missed the playoffs. Would that not make you insane? Because well, it would make no, me insane. Was he scoring 135 points, or was he, you know, just the best I mean, defenseman on a bad team? Well, I mean, I'm 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 picking Paul Coffey for a reason. Okay. You know, like I I'm like pick or Brent Burns. Say if Brent Burns like you know scored whatever 80 points and the Sharks missed the playoffs and he won the heart, like people would be outraged, right? That's true. Yes. Like that's what this seems like it is to me. Yeah, it's it, like it's not a bad feeling to it. Yeah, it it feels very much like wow, this guy scored a lot. Give it to him, whatever. Yeah, he yeah. It, no defenseman has ever scored forty one points before. He should get the heart, even though his team was the worst in the league by every metric that exists. <laughs> Maybe he was just the only guy on that team doing anything. Everybody's like, wow, that guy's phenomenal. He's got no one. It's just him. But that I mean, I think he did lead his team in points. He did. Oh yeah, he must have played by four. By four? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it was a forward who had 37. But, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's part of it is probably, like, the yeah, fact that, that he was a defenseman. a defenseman. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. still, it still stinks. It's still, yeah. like. It stinks to high heaven. Yeah. So, I think the choices are, are pretty clearly, like you said, between those three Rangers. Uh, yeah. The Rangers being uh, Brian Hexall, Lynn Patrick, and Phil Watson. Um, Phil, right? I think it was Phil. Yeah, um, yeah Phil. And, uh, I mean, I, I guess the tiebreaker is Hextall has the most points. Um, yeah. But if you want it, like, if you care more about goals, then it should be Lynn Patrick. But, like, it's a bit of a toss-up. Those were the Rangers who cursed the Rangers by burning the... Uh the deed to Madison Square Garden in the top of the cup, and then they didn't win for another 52 years. <laughs> true? Look it up. It is It is true, yeah. I'm going to give it to Hexall, personally. I don't yeah, know how I, you feel. I think that's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Patrick had 55 points and had more goals. I'd be okay with that, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, neither of them is a bad choice. Yeah. Because they're tied for points per game. You know, they... they you know, uh, Hexall played in one more game, so he had one more point. Um, Patrick scored more goals, so if you care more about goals, then he's the better choice. But, like, why Hexall didn't even get a vote, I don't I, – it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I assume, like, people really thought Patrick was a better player or something. Yeah. Because um, Watson, Watson didn't either, and so maybe they were just, once again, voting in those blocks – yeah. Because only one Ranger, the Rangers were the best team in the league. Um, you know, it is it is definitive. Um, oh, well, sorry, not quite definitive. SRS says the Bruins. Um, but uh, I don't know if the Bruins had anyone on them who was really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Roy Conacher had 37 points, which is way, way off the lead. Yeah, it's not even um, <laughs> And... Uh, you know, Flash Hollett was their best defenseman. So Flash Hollett would be the only the only choice from the Bruins, I think, because yeah. they were the best defensive team in the league. Yeah, I'm good with Hexall. Yep, that works for me, or, or Patrick, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Um, so that brings us to the end of this first uh, section of, of uh, heart trophies. Uh, and the next episode, we are going to cover the original six from 43 through 67. Yep. That's correct. And uh, yeah. And, and with, with fewer teams in each league. And so hopefully not too many more heart. I don't think there was any more hearts. There's only like one more heart where they actually gave it to someone who's not on a playoff team, which in a six team league in particular, feels like egregious, <laughs> but even a seven team league. Yeah. Like, just, come on. Yeah. Six teams made the playoffs. I know. Why did you pick a guy on the seventh? Because sometimes you just got to. Led his team in points. So yeah, uh, so that's it for the, for this episode, and uh, we hope you will tune in for the uh, the next one, um, which, like I said, original six heart trophies, and uh, we will see you then. Take care.